0: You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of the Barkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions of that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Lucio reek being joined by the publisher of Barkboard, Mr. Jackson Moore, and Jackson. I don't know, I'm seeing a little bit of deja vu from the uh, Fresno State-Boise State matchups of old, uh, with another outcome that the Bulldog fans just don't want to see, right Jackson?
1: Yeah, and it's uh, it's definitely a bummer for Fresno State, because you, I mean, the the last four times these two teams played, it was even 2-2, I mean, the Bulldogs had won the last two games at home, dating back to 2011 since then, and it felt like they had kind of gotten past a lot of that stuff and with all the faces that are on this current team none of them had been through much of the Boise State heartbreak but uh, there it was again 20 uh, 20 years after the Bulldogs were big favorites against the the Broncos in that 2001 game Uh, this was as lopsided of a a matchup as it was expected to be in Fresno State's favor and again they they lost and it was not pretty at all it was uh I mean one of the ugliest games we've seen from the bulldogs in years uh worst home loss since twenty fifteen even that dreaded one eleven season didn't include a loss that bad at home uh so it was just a uh a total meltdown and a total shock the way that that one played out.
0: Yeah, so much so that the fans out in the stadiums, uh, the fans in the stadium, um, <laughs> for lack of a better term, started turning on each other. Right, Jackson. <laughs> uh, it kind of it kind of got a little ugly there for a little bit of, uh, of of the game, where the focus ended up coming off of the game and turned to the stands because there was quite a quite a bit going on, so to speak. Right, Jackson.
1: Yeah, and I would say you might be better equipped to talk about this one a little bit because I was on the opposite end of the field when that stuff started going down because Boise State was driving and a lot of people missed the the Broncos to kick the field goal and the Bulldogs had a penalty on that play. They took it and they ended up scoring a touchdown instead. And I was looking at the crowd and it seemed like uh, all the fans on the – uh, east side of the stadium we're facing the other direction where the fight was going on when all that was happening and I know you were right in the mix so if you want to <laughs> break down whatever, it sounds like you were almost in it just about. <laughs> well,
0: well I'm sitting there uh, just doing my thing and uh, trying to get some highlights of, of the game and uh, before you know it I turn around and I see a brawl happening in the stands uh, several people. Uh, I mean I lost track of how many people were throwing punches Uh you know, when it was all said and done, a couple of guys were got tangled up and started rolling down the stadium, ended up rolling out of the sta- out of the seats onto the concrete and rolled once more right onto the field where where I was standing. Literally feet from where I was standing. Um, And then before I could tell, I had uh I had these guys just throwing punches around me and then security guards coming in trying to, to stop it and then I had police officers coming right after me. <laughs> uh, I was I was playing a little bit of dodgeball, so to speak, just trying to get out of the sure. way and, and making sure I wasn't a, a casualty of some, uh, some wild haymakers going around <laughs> because there was quite a few being thrown. Uh, but it, it was a wild, I want to say it was a good 20 to 25 minutes before it all settled down and it was it was a little crazy so uh, it, yeah it's it's not what you want to see um, a lot of people are saying that it was kind of alcohol induced but we <laughs> I don't really know what the story behind it was all I know it was uh, uh, for lack of a better term it was the entertainment of the night for some people because the Bulldogs were losing right Jackson
1: <laughs> yeah I mean it was it's almost been the bigger story because there wasn't a whole lot to tell about the game. And I mean, that was just a a spectacle that caught a lot of people's attention. And of course, you a lot of people with cell phones these days (laughs) got a lot of video on Facebook and stuff. And a lot of people saw that. And even that coach DeBoer was asked about it on Monday. And, um, you know, it was a, a tough topic for the head coach to talk about, but, um, you know, he, he pointed out very correctly that you know more than ninety nine percent of the crowd there was there to have a good time and behave themselves and a very small group of people, even though it was a large fight you know relative to the whole crowd of more than forty one thousand uh just as a very small percentage of people had to kind of ruin some of it for everyone and that um you know it doesn't reflect the the valley and the community and what he wants to see at a Fresno State home game, so they may be looking at making some changes. I know they're going to have some more security for the final home game, and uh, they've thought about altering the alcohol sales at, at the stadium. I'm not exactly even sure what the policy is, but maybe <laughs> cutting that back a little bit, but I'm pretty sure, that's so a lot of people pointed out on the, the park board message boards that uh, it probably wasn't the the ten dollar beers at the, the game that from no uh, were probably not enough to cause what happened there. I'm sure some pregaming gaming was going on, and who knows what else.
0: Yeah, it's it's kind of tough to gauge just uh, just what's going on with the alcohol, but um, you you can't control what people do prior to entering the game. What they can do, however, is uh, is control who enters. If they're if they're too intoxicated, um, they just may not let you in. So it could be one of those where the it's going to be a judgment call uh, right at the gates, um, but I don't know. Uh, that's something that the university is going to have to decide on what they want to do, and uh, and we'll f- you know we'll see what happens uh, next home game, <laughs> and uh, uh, hopefully I'm not going to be in the middle of another one like that for quite some time because <laughs> uh, even though it was it was a, a you know exhilarating watching that right around me. Um, I really don't want to be in the middle of something like that again for quite some time. <laughs> uh, but that being said, Jackson, it was—you know—there was a lot of emotions going. Uh, Fresno State fans did not like the outcome of what was happening with Boise State because, uh, uh, let's all be honest, Boise State seems to have Fresno State's number when it comes to uh, games that matter, um, and uh, Fresno State still looking for answers on how to deal with Boise, who, for whatever reason, knows exactly what the Bulldogs are going to do before they even do it. Uh, It just looked like they were in um, Fresno State's huddle this past game and and had an answer for just about everything. Granted, the Bulldogs did not help themselves with penalties, and I'm pretty sure you kind of agree with me on that one when it comes down to the penalties, right, Jackson?
1: Yeah, and it was especially because it was so lopsided, and uh, not to say that Boise State was getting away with stuff, but I think the count was like 11 Bulldog penalties to one Boise State penalty late in the game. I mean, that's just totally ridiculous, and if it's 100% on Fresno State and not even the ref's fault, I mean, that's still not good (laughs) for the Bulldogs to to be doing that, and you looked at the, the pick-six play, which was about the most exciting thing that happened all night on the field, and uh, holding or blocking the back brought that one back, and it was still a significant play for Fresno State, but that play in particular, uh, Deron Bland uh, just totally erases a trick play by Boise State that was looking like it was going to be a kind of a, a dagger touchdown almost there in the second quarter, and he just swiped it away returns it back more than 100 yards I mean it was just spectacular and uh, would have put Fresno State up 14 to 13 at that time and perhaps we're talking about a way different game but instead uh, the Bulldogs get the ball down 13 to 7 back in their own territory and they go three and out Boise State kicks a field goal and now they're down 16-7 at halftime and it just kept rolling in the wrong direction from there in the third quarter but um, I mean yeah it was just a whole mess of things I mean the Bulldogs uh, got some momentum going on their first drive. They get stuffed on 4th and 1 with the end-around run that frustrated some fans with that call. Uh, I know um, Jordan Mims was a big piece of the Bulldogs' success the last couple of weeks and uh, apparently he was injured pretty bad more so than people ha- had anticipated going into that game and so he only saw two carries and uh, the Bulldogs did fortunately have Ronnie Rivers but it is a, a different style that he runs with so they had altered the game plan quite a bit for that but overall the Bulldogs couldn't run the ball too well I mean Ronnie had 12 carries for 77 yards I believe was in plus uh, over 6 yards per carry but uh, they just a lot of second and longs a lot of third and longs Bulldogs gave up 5 sacks they had a lot of penalties and there just wasn't a lot of opportunities to have convertible situations on offense it was uh, a lot of poor situations that they put themselves in and the penalties and the sacks and of course the turnovers uh hayner throwing three interceptions just all piled on top of that and made for a really ugly day offensively because i mean it wasn't a, uh, the defense's best performance but it was about 26 to seven that earlier in the fourth quarter and i was thinking man if the bulldogs you know were having their usual day on offense they probably have it somewhere in the 20s and the 30s on the scoreboard right now they might be even winning this game um but that wasn't the case and the defense kind of ran out of gas there at the end and uh, Boise State punched in a couple more scores after to really make it lopsided but yeah it was just uh, from top to bottom a, a rough day for Fresno State and it's a, a tough one to explain because they just we haven't seen that for four quarters out of this team. We've seen it for one quarter perhaps, and sometimes it cost them games. Sometimes it didn't cost them games, but, I mean, man, it was just start to finish. Not, not a lot to take away positively for the dogs there.
0: Now, uh, one th- one key play that I think kind of con- snowballed in the wrong direction for the Bulldogs was, was early on. I believe – uh, had the Bulldogs gone for three instead of trying to convert on fourth down, get the points, get out of there with with something to show. I think things might have started a little bit different for the Bulldogs. Do you agree with that one, Jackson?
1: Yeah. You know, especially watching the scoreboard the rest of the way. I mean, when it was 16-7, to 7, you're thinking, man, if they would have kicked that field goal, it would be 16-10. to 10. They would only need a, a touchdown and and it was nineteen to seven. That that one's not as critical, but um, I mean, it just felt like that it was a possession that the Bulldogs missed uh, throughout the second and third quarters. And uh, by the fourth quarter, it was pretty much a mute point. But um, I mean, the during the game when you felt like the Bulldogs were just struggling so bad on offense that they would have had those three extra points, it might have um, had given them a little more confidence that they were within a, a closer reach.
0: Yeah, and definitely getting those three points, then then the game plan sort of changes a little bit. You don't have to press as much. You don't have to force things, which what it was what the Bulldogs were doing. They were they were forcing plays. Uh, Jake Hayner was really uh, struggling reading the defense, and, and then of course, our the running game just wasn't there because they they were just keying in on on Ronnie Rivers, and even when he did break loose, he was getting called back with a penalty. So it didn't seem like the Bulldogs could get anything going. And a lot of frustration uh, on the players' faces, and, and it was justified. They, they just could not seem to find any answers. And Boise State, being Boise State, uh, continued to to score. They were not going to slow down. They That's just not the way they do things over there. And by the time it got to a certain point, it was uh, out of hand for the Bulldogs to even try to catch up. So maybe scoring early on would have been a better choice, would have changed the, the outcome of the game. Maybe not. But then again, it, it could have changed how the game would have gone from that point. And uh, your opinion, Jackson, overall how did the offense do? I know it's going to be a failing grade, but we got to break it down anyways. How did Boise, how did Fresno state's offense do against this Boise state defense who just seemed to have all the answers?
1: Yeah, it was uh, certainly not a good one. Um, Starting off with the O line. I mean, that was a group that had been so improved and really uh, kind of the driving force behind the success the Bulldogs had the last couple of weeks since the bye week. And, they, that was kind of where things broke down first. The Bulldogs gave up five sacks in this game, the worst performance of the season and a lot of that happened in the first half. You know, it wasn't like the Bulldogs took a bunch of sacks doing weird stuff in the fourth quarter. No, it was during the very process of Boise State snowballing and, and taking a big lead. Uh, it derailed multiple possessions and um, it was uh, Jake was under a lot more duress than he had been for, for quite some time. But that was Quite disappointing to see. Um, the penalties, of course, made things worse. And then you had Hayner throw three picks. Uh, again, it's going to be tough to win games when he has one of those days, which have happened a couple of times now, but are, are not uh, frequent. Uh, they're few and far between, but they have showed up over his two years at Fresno State now. And um, I mean, even when they weren't committing penalties or Turning the ball over, I mean, or, or taking sacks. It still wasn't a great performance. Uh, the Bulldogs had some drops uh, in the, the receiving unit, and uh, again, not much of a run game going. That was probably, you know, again, going to the O line, the biggest struggle for the Bulldogs because it's been really what they, they were kind of the go-to for the dogs. Jordan Mims and his running ability uh, had really set the tone in the last two weeks, and between Mims. Um, Not being able to contribute as much this week, and just not a lot of running situations to to play in this game. Uh, A lot of again, a lot of second and longs and third and longs where you got to pass. It just set the Bulldogs up to be one-dimensional and uh, a lot easier to defend.
0: Yeah, you said it. it became one-dimensional once the once Boise got out to a huge lead and just made it very difficult for the Bulldogs to even get the run game going. Because at some point, you got to abandon the run and start to pass to to get big chunk plays, and it just it changed the complexion of the game and and not for a good one for the Bulldogs. Uh, but defensively, where did the Bulldogs go wrong against this Boise State offense?
1: Yeah, you know they uh, they kind of. Um... Again, it wasn't a terrible performance. I mean, they only gave up 16 points in the first half. Uh, it was only 26 early in the fourth quarter. Um, felt like they were you know, doing what would be enough on a normal day for the Bulldogs to win a game like that. Um, but ultimately, the, the scoreboard got a little ugly at the end. Um, I felt like... Um, you know, the the Broncos hit on a couple of big plays, but some of them were pretty well defended. That was good as the Bulldogs could. I'm thinking about um, two big passing plays. Uh, I've got photos of both of them, and uh, both of. Uh, I mean, there was a long cross field pass by Boise State where uh, Fresno State's cornerback is all over him, and he made a heck of a catch. And there was another one in the end zone there early in the fourth quarter where it was a jump ball and. Just, I mean, like a Devontae Adams style of jump and grab that's almost impossible to defend. Uh, Those were two big plays, but um, otherwise, I mean, they forced a lot of field goals. And um, other than running out of gas at the end, I wasn't too overly disappointed by the way that they played. And you kind of have to give kudos to, to Boise State about some of those plays that they made.
0: Yeah, it's uh it was definitely just ugly. <laughs> at one point it was uh it was kind of hard to watch of uh, how Boise was able to dominate this game. Not something you want to see here at Bulldog Stadium. Um and it like you said it hadn't happened in quite some time and leave it to Boise to be the one to come in and do it again. Only further uh, you know only adding more uh, disdain for the the Broncos and the Bulldog fans' minds, right, Jackson?
1: <laughs> yeah, like, and yeah, again, I mean, it seemed like we were past that—that uh, that this was going to be a, a pretty even rivalry from here on out, and that uh, even especially this past game. I mean, Fresno State favorite had all the momentum, uh, everything going for him. I felt like this was going to be one of the more feel-good Bulldog games against Boise State, and it was just the exact opposite.
0: Yeah, it, it, yeah, it turned into more of what the Bulldogs have have faced in the past. Uh, uh, I personally was hoping that the Bulldogs had turned a corner and and were uh, were becoming more evenly matched with Boise, and then they come out and this is what happens. So, yeah, the, the Bulldog faithful are are really licking their wounds on this one. Uh, another Boise blowout of Fresno State, and uh, things. Uh, this one's going to sting for, for a few years now. And uh, let's just say the, the Bulldog fans are not going to forget this one. And uh, neither are the players. Now, some of these players who have never faced the Boise State or know much of the history have now got a taste for it. And uh, and we can see how they're going to react in, in the years to come. Um, but that being said, switching gears, Jackson, Bulldogs stay home again For another home game This upcoming weekend They're facing the New Mexico Lobos (laughs) I'm guessing I said that correctly (laughs) Um, (laughs) Here at home And again they are favored And not just a little But I believe they're favored by quite a bit Right Jackson?
1: Yeah, 24-point favorites. I can't remember the last time a 26-point uh, a loser was favored by almost as many points the opposite way the, the following week. Yeah, I think they opened at 24 and it is up to 25.5 right now, so it's, it's gone even further in Fresno State's direction. And, uh, I mean, the story came out. We were ran about the spread and the jokes happened, you know, the makers watch last week and all that kind of stuff, but uh, you dig digging into Mexico and They are a tricky opponent, but they have been pretty poor offensively. I mean, uh, they have been at the dead last in the Mountain West at scoring. I think they're at about 13 points per game, which is like seven points behind the next worst offense in the conference. And their starting quarterback's been hurt the last couple of weeks, and it doesn't look like he's going to come back. Uh, They've had a game recently where they threw for 16 passing yards I believe and another game where they had 36 passing yards and they are going to be run heavy but uh, they passed about 20 times in those games they had uh, three completions on 20 attempts in a loss to Colorado State and so they are a uh, definitely one dimensional but they're going to do everything they can uh, to to try to trick you out with that one dimension they're, they're going to run some option they run an exotic defense uh, with Rocky Long as a defensive coordinator. So it's going to take a toll on Fresno State to prepare for this team. But by all accounts, when they get on the field, uh, they should be able to execute against them.
0: Yeah, it's definitely going to be one of those games where uh, New Mexico is going to take the, I believe they're going to take footage from what Boise State did and possibly what UNLV did uh, because UNLV was supposed to, Come in here and lay an egg, and they they held their own against the Bulldogs as well. So, you know, part of me thinks that they're just going to take things from each one of those and kind of uh, and see what what works against the Bulldogs. Now, granted, twenty five point favorites to win here at Bulldog Stadium. <laughs> Like you said, I haven't seen that in quite some time. But uh, the way the Bulldogs have been playing, kind of Doctor Jekyll, Mister Hyde. I don't see them covering the twenty-five points right now, Jackson. Do you?
1: Yeah, I mean it depends on, on which one of the teams shows up. But <laughs> I mean the I mean Fresno State has not had any other games like they did last week. But they've had different styles of offense, and if it's a run-heavy Bulldog offense, I mean. They're probably not. I mean, they scored in the 30s recently in those last couple of wins, and uh, we've seen them at times really air it out and score a bunch of touchdowns through the air, where the points get inflated a little bit. So we'll see what which kind of offense comes out. But you mentioned them kind of picking from some other teams, and UNLV might be a good example because the Rebels did have uh, quite a bit of pre-snap reads and some different kind of. I mean, pre-snap movements and motions and sweeps and a, a lot of different runs and. Uh, that's what you're going to see from these Lobos. They are going to run some some spread option, you know, a lot of movement just before the snap, a lot of H-back kind of stuff, and uh, a lot of read option, and then uh, a pitchable uh, running back after the read option. So it's going to be uh, a lot of the defense being sound, and it's one of those games where uh, they could break a big one at any given moment with their running game. Um, so they're not going to be able to replicate much in the passing game and their defense is uh, kind of one in its own, but um, th- there are going to be some things that uh, Fresno state's got to watch for.
0: Yeah, definitely. The I mean, these uh, two games, at least Boise state, New Mexico, they did a lot of things that really frustrated the bulldogs and uh, other teams are picking up on it and uh, they're going to, basically make their blueprint around certain things that they saw worked. And we'll see if the Bulldogs have made the adjustment since then. Uh, But I don't know. Uh, Bulldogs are favored to win this one. So let's go ahead and break this one down, Jackson. How do you see Fresno State's offense matching up against this uh, New Mexico defense?
1: Yeah, so New Mexico is going to run that 3-3-5 defense uh, just exactly like the Bulldogs saw against San Diego State two weeks ago. Um, Ricky Long, pretty much the creator of that defense, or at least bringing it to, uh, uh, to the attention of, of college football fans is a defense that's really effective. And San Diego State's still running it without him. Uh, Bulldogs saw it two weeks ago down in Carson. Um, it's, from all accounts, I can get from the coaches and the players, it's pretty much the exact same blueprint and, and scheme and they said uh, New Mexico might be a, a tad bit more aggressive, but other than that, it's going to be pretty familiar. So yeah, that is the good news uh, for Fresno State, that as exotic as this defense is, it is one that they just faced uh, two weeks ago, and they did pretty well against it. And uh, New Mexico just doesn't have the athletes that San Diego State does either. So um, you know, I think the biggest hope for the Bulldogs is that uh, Jordan Mims is going to be healthy and that they can run him and establish the ground game and do a lot of what they did against the Aztecs a couple of weeks ago. But the one thing uh, with Rocky Long is that he can cause some problems with his schemes, and the Bulldogs didn't do a whole lot in the second half after, um, even a little bit at the end of the first half after building that 20-0 lead against San Diego State. And uh, they're going to do everything they can. They kind of put Fresno State in some of those same positions that they were later in the game rather than the beginning. So they've got a little bit of a a blueprint there and um, some uh, what-not-to-dos from watching what the Aztecs did against the Bulldogs.
0: Yeah, that's going to be interesting to to see how the Bulldogs adjust and and get things going there on offense. Defensively, um, this should be uh, one of those games where – you know, coming off of the, the type of loss they had against Boise, they're going to be wanting to come out and prove something, right, Jackson? So how is this defense going, going to match up against this New Mexico offense?
1: Yeah, uh, New Mexico, again, they're going to do some odd stuff, and it's tough to tell exactly how the Bulldogs are going to uh, match up with it, but just in general, you know, the Lobos haven't scored a lot of points, and they haven't, uh, as tricky as it is, they haven't uh, burnt a lot of teams with it. Uh, watching some film, they do every now and then break a big run, and uh, that's probably to be expected once or twice here. But passing game has been pretty non-existent, um, as mentioned. Uh, they they brought in a transfer from Kentucky who was doing the an okay job, probably not as good as they expected, but way better than the backups have been able to do. So, uh, I mean, this uh, as long as the Bulldogs can stay. Uh, gap sound and assignment sound. Uh, it should be one of their better days defensively, and if it's not, it's going to be a, a pretty big disappointment.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, if if all indications are uh, this defense is going to come out and, and and raring to go, I see one one of the key players that I think will have a big game um, is is going to be uh, Aaron Mosby. Uh, he is been probably the most consistent player on defense uh this year and uh I expect to have a big game out of him uh again against the, the Lobos here at Bulldog Stadium. Did, I don't know, Jackson, you who 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 would you see as your um, defensive player of the game?
1: Yeah, um regardless of how he performs, he might be the most important Bulldog defender of the game because David Perales, uh if you left to stands. Then that Boise game uh, did pick up a targeting penalty against the Broncos in the second half, which means he'll be uh, unable to play for the first half of this game. And the Bulldogs have, uh, they're hoping to have Kwame Jones available to play and start in his place, which uh, would be uh, as good as they get as far as replacing him. But Jones has uh, missed the last couple of two weeks or so of practice and he wasn't at the game Saturday. And so there's definitely it's going to be some rest there if he has to go. And uh, just in general, uh, the Bulldogs have lost some defensive ends over the season. Uh, Isaiah Johnson opted to go into the transfer portal earlier this year. Uh, Isaiah Garcia, a uh, guy from Oregon State, who was supposed to provide some depth, also didn't last very long here. So probably one of the groups that was the deepest on the team uh suddenly down to just a couple of guys here late in the season uh, made worse by paralysis uh, halftime suspension there so if Mosby can erase some of that uh, that would certainly go a long way for Fresno State Um, I'd look for I mean Evan Williams has cleaned up a lot of stuff for the dogs and this is a game where he'll probably be assisting with the run defense and picking up a lot of tackles I'd look for him to have statistically probably one of the better days and I mean This is probably a good matchup for LJ Early, a good matchup for uh, Tyson Maeva, who's dealt with some injuries and uh, faced some some passing offenses the past couple of weeks, uh, except for San Diego State, that have been better suited for other linebackers. And um, I I would like to see Kevin Atkins kind of establish things in the interior. It's going to be a big senior day for him, and uh, he would uh, help the Bulldogs Stop that run with a, a good day inside.
0: Yeah, it. Uh, if if uh, some of these players can can show up and and really make a difference, it will go a long way into uh, helping the the uh, absence of paralysis. And I believe you said he's he's eligible to return, but not until what the third or fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, he'll be good to go for the whole second half, starting with the third quarter. Um, but the way that rule works. Uh, he won't be able to participate in the first half,
0: so that's uh, that's going to be interesting. The Bulldogs are going to have to shift some things around in the first half to make that work uh, uh, to fill that gap that paralysis is going to leave uh, for the Bulldogs' defense. Now, offensively, I I I'm kind of uh, waiting to see Cropper come back again because he's been kind of quiet since his uh, uh, big game he had the last big game he had here at Bulldog Stadium. And uh, it seems like other teams are starting to key in on him, uh, or that injury has slowed him down a little bit. What's your take on that, Jackson?
1: Yeah, I mean, I was as bad as that injury looked at uh, against San Diego State. I was shocked that he was going to be able to go even last week. And uh, he came out pretty quick. He had a big catch on that first possession. Uh, he also had a play a couple of plays later, I think it was a third down where. Uh, um, Hainer threw a pass to him that was a little high and he had to kind of jump for it and you could tell that knee he was just wasn't able to get to where he needed to be and he wasn't able to bring it in so it does look like he's not quite 100% but still uh, able to make some plays in certain situations so um, uh, he should be out there again this week and I'd like to see maybe Carrick uh, Wheatfall and Josh Kelly maybe get a few more looks I mean These are matchups where they should have some good one-on-one opportunities, and uh, both of those guys are also very electric to make uh, some catches downfield.
0: Yeah, so things are going to be a little interesting to see just how um, the offense adjusts uh, offensively for the wide receivers. Um, They need to make things happen because it looks like Jake Haner is – I'm not sure what's going on with Jay Kaner, but he's struggling, uh, has quite a few interceptions here in the last few games. Uh, is that a a product of him trying to force things that shouldn't be there, Jackson?
1: Uh, a little bit, yeah. I mean, uh, you look at each individual one, and I mean, the Coach DeBoer said one of them, he was trying to throw through the end zone and didn't throw it hard enough and got picked, and you know, there's there's different reasons for each one, but ultimately when your O-line isn't doing very well protecting you and when you're in a lot of past obvious situations and thirds and longs, uh, those things become a lot easier to do, and that's exactly where Fresno State was with just about all night
0: yeah, so uh, we'll we'll have to see how the Bulldogs adjust. Hopefully they can get their footing back on offense. But now with this loss uh, against Boise State, the Bulldogs are no longer in the driver's seat in order to uh, have a path at the Mountain West Championship. They are now going to need a little bit of help, right, Jackson. So in other words, they need uh, San Diego State and Nevada who are going to play each other, the winner out of that one still needs to lose one more game for the Bulldogs to be right back in the driver's seat. Right, Jackson? Is that how you have it broken down?
1: (laughs) Yeah, and it's not out of reality or of possibility of happening either because, as mentioned, they're going to play each other this weekend. So one of them is going to get that loss, and then the winner of that game needs to lose one more time. And uh, both of these teams have two more games to play. Fresno State only has one after this weekend. Uh, San Diego State will next go UNLV, which you would assume they'll win that game. But then they finish off against Boise State at home. And that is a game, as far as the State fans will know, uh, could very well uh, be a a bad one for the Aztecs. And then you look at um, Nevada. uh, They also have two more games to play after this one. And um, they have to play against the Mountain Division. They've got to play against Air Force, which is one of the better teams on that side and then they have to go and get this. It's on a short week. They have to play on a Friday. They have to get ready for that triple option offense without the one of the days they usually have to prepare, so that's going to be one to watch. And Then they finish at Colorado State, which is a team that um, is not overly dangerous, but it's been uh, very competitive against some good teams and has a couple of good wins, so that's not a, a gimme by any means. Um, when you look at Fresno State I mean, this the New Mexico game should be a gimme win and then they just have one more on Thanksgiving Day against San Jose State they'll have the buy in between and I think if you were putting odds I think Fresno State's got a better shot with the schedule they have to go 2-0 and than either Nevada or San Diego State have to go 3-0 and but you're still talking about uh, some things that gotta go the Bulldogs way to get in and that's not the position you wanna be in so uh, definitely going to be score watching here scoreboard watching the next couple of weeks and we even look at the mountain division side where uh Utah State is leading that division uh but they have to go to San Jose State they're actually underdogs this week um so if they drop a the game then suddenly uh Fresno State at two losses could uh be in the uh conversation for hosting eventually if they do rise back up in the first place. it will probably come down to some computer rankings in that scenario, and uh, they do seem to favor Fresno State right now with the Oregon and the UCLA games and the, the San Diego State-Nevada wins that are on their resume, have all the helped them in those metrics. So um, there's a possibility for some pretty exciting things for the Bulldogs to happen here, and um, but still a couple of dominoes have to follow their way.
0: So this one is basically going to come down to the wire for the Bulldogs. <laughs> uh, why not? Um, it's been like that most of the season anyways on their games. And then uh, why not be that way for the conference championship as well? Now, if things do not happen for the Bulldogs, Jackson, projection-wise, where do you see them landing uh, at a bowl game? If it ended today, where would you think the Bulldogs would be?
1: Yeah, I mean... I think they're. I don't want to sound like, you know, Homer Reporter or anything, but we've seen this story before where the non ideal team wins the conference and they've tried to find ways to not get that team in the Premier Bowl game. It almost happened to Fresno State in 2017 themselves because there was talk that if the Bulldogs won the Mountain West Championship that season, they were just going to send Boise State to the Vegas Bowl anyway because it was going to be. Uh, potentially a bigger crowd and a bigger marquee television matchup and so when you think about Utah State right now as the biggest shoe as they get into the game and potentially win it I don't know if the Mountain West (laughs) might want to try to find a way to not get that team and I mean you imagine the Aggies are not going to travel well to Los Angeles and that's the premier the premier bowl game for the conference and uh, I mean, or you maybe you talk about San Diego State, who's only traveling like five, six, seven thousand fans to Los Angeles on a regular basis for home games. They, that might not be ideal for the conference to send them uh, if they win the championship uh, game either. Long story short, um, I think there could be a backdoor opportunity for Fresno State to get into that Los Angeles Bowl, um, but it probably wouldn't go over well with some of the other conference mates. But If they can't find a way to get in there, uh, regardless of how the season pans out, um, it comes down to the next tier of bowl games, which the Mountain West has the Hawaii Bowl, which currently Hawaii is not bowl eligible, and it's a little bit of a long shot for them to get there. There's the Idaho Potato Bowl in Boise. There is the New Mexico Bowl down in Albuquerque, uh, the Arizona Bowl, and then there is also the Frisco Bowl in Texas um so uh quite a few different options for the bulldogs to land and it's kind of a crapshoot it's not like it goes in order uh after that premiere game they're all in la they're all kind of seen as pretty much equal so it could really be any of them and um i know the mountain west every now and then they'll try to make a special circumstance to, to get a team into a, a more appealing bowl game but um It's probably not in the cards for Fresno State with uh, the Red Box Bowl and the Bay Area being canceled this year. It's probably the one they they might have tried to have squeezed their way into. But it's probably going to be one of those bowl games. A few of them Fresno State fans have seen several times, and a few of them are kind of new that the Bulldogs haven't been in. So um, it'll be interesting to see where exactly they land. But all of them will probably get the group of five team uh, unless they can find their way into the Los Angeles Bowl where they'd play a Pac-12 opponent.
0: Now, out of all the different options that you're seeing out there, which one do you not want them to see? Because you will <laughs> not travel to, Jackson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the the Hawaii Bowl is always, especially under the current circumstances, um, probably not where you want to see them play. I mean, the, Very the day of that to- game, yeah, the travel and the day it's played on Christmas Eve, it's all not my favorite by any means. (laughs) So, um, just about any of the other ones. I mean, unless you want to drive to Arizona, you're going to have to get in the plane either way. And, um, probably not the type of bowl or or matchup that's going to have a lot of fans travel, but, uh, would be a little more ideal than uh, Hawaii for most.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, in all reality, it could come down to where the Bulldogs are heading to the New Mexico bowl again, (laughs) <laughs> and uh well it, it is what it is um you know right now as it stands any of the bowls w- would be great uh minus like you said Hawaii bowl um which just traveling to Hawaii it can be a little difficulty because of all the rules and regulations just to get there um And then, of course, the day that the matchup will happen. So, yeah, uh, hopefully things will pan out to where the Bulldogs get a good enough bowl where, you know, you and I can make a road trip out of it. Right, Jackson? and Just (laughs) just go and and take a look at this one. Um, But, you know, as far as what is happening this week around the Mountain West, you touched upon it a little bit. You've got uh, San Diego State taking on... um, taking on where was it here Nevada so Nevada travels to well to Carson not San Diego uh, to face them so the winner out of that one will be in the driver's seat uh, driver's seat so to speak in uh in the uh west division to uh, to face whoever is going to be for the conference championship right Jackson so yeah, yeah. That one right there is the one everybody wants to watch. What do you see who who do you see uh, coming out of this game uh with a win Jackson or is it kind of a toss up for you?
1: Yeah, I think um Nevada probably has a lot of the same things going for them that Fresno State had. I mean, they're just a much more explosive offense and they've got a uh, pretty solid defense to pair with it as well and if they can jump on San Diego State uh, that game could go very, very similarly to the way the Bulldogs won it, I think just the general sense is that Nevada's overwhelming advantage in offensive firepower is going to win out in that game. Um, I did watch Nevada last week, and I mean, the Wolfpack were running on fumes a little bit against San Jose State. They had to really put together some some big plays at the end of that game to win and, and kick a game winning field goal, but uh, the Spartans also took San Diego State to double over time, so um uh, as long as Nevada is uh, recovered and healthy, and you know, Carson Strong's been playing on a bad leg and took some shots against the Spartans. So as long as they're at full strength, I think they win that one.
0: Yeah, so that one is an important matchup here uh, for the Bulldog Faithful. So everyone needs to keep an eye on that one to see who comes out on top of that one. And then the next, the following week we want to root for that team to lose. <laughs> it's just how it goes. Uh, so uh, that's how things are, are going to shake out for for the conference championship. It all comes down to who is going to come out of that game, and then uh, the next week uh, we'll determine what the, faith for the, uh, the fate of the Bulldogs will be. So we'll just have to keep an eye on that one. And then Jackson, story of all stories, UNLV comes out with their first win of the season last week. Uh, against New Mexico, who the Bulldogs are facing, and they won that one, thirty-one to seventeen. Give you a uh, give you a little bit of uh, faith that the Bulldogs should be able to do what they can against New Mexico.
1: <laughs> yeah, that right there is part another one of the ingredients why the Bulldogs are favored so much. <laughs> I mean, Lobos didn't just lose; they lost by like, two touchdowns to a team that hadn't won in fourteen games. So uh, as long as Fresno State doesn't have an ultimate hangover from last week. Uh, they should be able to uh, win this one by a pretty decent margin.
0: Yeah, and uh, yeah, that should be uh, should be interesting to uh, to watch for the Bulldogs against New Mexico just just to see if they're able to kind of produce the same amount of points that UNLV was able to, and if they can, uh, this could very easily become a blowout for the Bulldogs. Now, the another one of the key matchups here, uh, again, is that uh, Utah-San Jose State game uh, has some implications there uh, where Utah uh, right now is pretty much in the driver's seat for home field advantage in the conference championship if they were to win out. How do you see that matchup going, Jackson? You cover a San Jose State uh you know, a lot and so you you've kind of got an interesting perspective on where the San Jose Spartans are. What do you see how do you see this game going?
1: Yeah, San Jose State's playing pretty good football right now. Uh they weren't since September. They they are looking pretty solid and they did get their starting quarterback Nick Starkle back last weekend. Uh they're playing both him and their dual threat quarterback Nick Nash even last week against Nevada. Uh but Starkle looked good and um you know, they they almost Took out the Wolfpack. Uh, they almost took out San Diego State a couple of weeks back, as mentioned. And I mean, they are they are very solid. They're very close to being what they were last year, uh, which is scary. <laughs> and I was still shocked that San Jose State was actually favored against Utah State. I mean, the, the Aggies are seven and two on the season, four and one in conference play. Uh, I kind of anticipate that the Aggies will probably find a way to win, but. Um, The thing about San Jose State is I I do believe they are too good to go zero and three in these last three games where they had to play Nevada, they have to play Utah State, they have to play Fresno State, and they entered that stretch with five wins. They only need one more to get the bowl eligibility. Uh, They already fell short against Nevada, and I think they're going to win at least one down the stretch, which means, uh, professional state fans, you hope it is (laughs) this weekend uh, that they hit that sixth win before they see the Bulldogs and don't have that extra motivation for the valley rivalry um, but for Utah State they're 4-1 in conference play and if they lose uh, they could find themselves in a three-way tie with Boise State who has the head-to-head advantage against the Aggies and as well as their fourth, that two losses who Utah State did beat earlier this year so uh, there could be some tiebreaker scenarios in the Mountain Division if uh, the Spartans do pull that one
0: off You mean to tell me Boise has fought their way back into this one? <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's a uh, a uh, one of those realities that could happen. Was Fresno State at Boise State for the Mountain Championship, or even Boise State at Fresno State? <laughs> oh. It's not out of the cards, and uh, it's not one I anticipate Bulldog fans want to see uh, <laughs> less than a month after what just happened last week. <laughs> I, I, tell
0: you, I tell you what, if that <laughs> if that does happen, and it's back in Bulldog Stadium again. It, You can almost bet it's going to be another sold-out stadium with the hopes that the Bulldogs can change the outcome of what happened this season. But there is still a lot that needs to happen for that to get to that point. And um, right now, Utah State is in the driver's seat. So depending on what happens this weekend, uh, it will go a long way to decide uh, how the Mountain Division is going to end. If Utah State is able to win out, there's no question that that conference championship will be held in Utah and it will be uh, regardless of who wins it in the West division for the, the sheer fact of uh, Utah State's uh, conference record, uh, overall record as well. Um, is that am I wrong, Jackson, or am I right there? The Utah State would have home field advantage if they were to win out.
1: Um, Well, if there there are some losses uh, on the West Division, uh, then that will be the case. If if San Diego State can win out, which is going to be tough for them, they will be ranked and will host almost uh, assuredly. And if Nevada wins out, they could probably, I I think they would probably host over Utah State. But uh, if you get into a scenario where Fresno State's involved and you've got some two-loss teams, uh, yeah, the the one loss for Utah State would give them an automatic uh, home field advantage over uh, the teams in the West.
0: Okay, so so the West Division still holds the the cards when it comes to home field advantage in the conference championship. If either San Diego State or Nevada should win out, then that that's where the the game will be held. Oh, uh, well, things are getting interesting, Jackson. It's like, it's like, let's go play the lottery, right? I'm trying to figure <laughs> this one out. Um, let me see other matchups, key matchup, Air Force versus Colorado State. That is a big matchup there uh, because uh, Air Force, if Air Force can come away with a win and Utah State with a loss, then like you said, uh, that, that could start a, a three-way tie if Boise State were to win as well. Um, then then that whole uh, mountain division is just going to get turned on its head. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know, Jack. How do you see Air Force and Colorado State going? Is this going to be even any question, or is Air Force should be the one to come out with a win on this one?
1: Yeah, the Falcons are on the road, and I mean, this is just one of those games where the Rams also have a power running attack. So, I mean, of course, the Air Force has that option offense, and it's probably going to be a uh, a slugfest, and I imagine one that doesn't have a whole ton of points. is probably decided by one possession. So it's a game. Air Force should win, but it, it could very easily go either way.
0: Yeah. So things are just about to get interesting for. Uh, for the Mountain West, so hang tight, people. Uh, it could it could get very shaken up very quickly. Now switching gears, Jackson. Uh, some recruiting news for Fresno State. There, there's been a little bit of of movement going on here. Um, and what is the latest for Fresno State on the recruiting front? Yeah, we talked a couple of weeks
1: ago about the massive group of recruits that showed up for uh, the Nevada game. Uh, Bulldog Stadium, and Boise State was pretty similar with another ginormous <laughs> group of recruits and some big names. We got those all detailed on the the BARC board, VIP board, um, but uh, we haven't seen the commitment come yet. Uh, we've seen a lot of uh, key recruits were there, and probably some news to come in the coming weeks. and uh, Some new names established on Fresno State's rec- recruiting board there. They offered a couple of recruits right on the spot, so Uh, It was a big day, and despite the the results, a lot of the recruits we've talked to did have a lot of good things to say about the environment and uh, how electric it was there for a while and um, what they can see with the program capable of doing uh, had they performed a little better.
0: Yeah, it's uh, definitely, uh, it helps when the Bulldogs win, uh, especially a a good game, but uh, this past week, I'm not sure they did themselves any favors with that recruiting class that came in here last week. Uh, But uh, you never know. Some players see an opportunity of maybe uh, getting in there and having some playtime maybe. I don't know. Uh, It's definitely something we're going to be keeping an eye on is that December 15th date comes very quickly for the uh, signing day for recruits. Um and of course Jackson and I will have as much coverage as as possible on that one uh, you know being followed up with a a podcast uh, probably the same day as as recruiting um so we'll we'll definitely plan on something like that switching gears yet again Jackson Fresno State basketball you're starting to get uh, into the groove now with the with how things are going with basketball what is it that you see so far coming out of the Bulldogs?
1: Yeah, we've seen uh, an exhibition now and a game that counted, but was against the Division Two opponent, Fresno Pacific. With the Bulldogs took care of business. Both of those games were lopsided wins. But probably the most impressive thing is that they haven't been at full strength. Uh, that first game, they were missing Deion Stroud and Junior Ballard. Uh, in the past game against Fresno Pacific, they were without them again, but they were also without Jamal Baker as well as Braxton and Mia. So you're talking about Four Guys in the rotation, and uh, they were able to win against the Sunbirds 74 to 54. Uh, it seems like this team is pretty deep, and um, I mean, they're probably uh, going to have to find a way to cut down on the rotation throughout this season when you throw in those other four guys. There seems to be about 11 or 12 capable players that are all making some pretty good contributions right now. So it's going to be real exciting to see when this team gets at full strength, but right now you're seeing. We saw in the first game, Jamal Baker had a really solid uh, debut for Fresno State. He was formerly at Kentucky and Arizona, a couple of blue blood schools, and uh, now he's out at Fresno State for as a, a graduate transfer. And it's been a, a big addition a nice six foot five guard who has some nice length and shooting ability and just is a very poised leader that this team really needed to add in the backcourt. We've seen Orlando Robinson, really looking strong early on in the season. He's definitely taken his um, flirting with the NBA draft experience and applied that. He's off to a good start. Um, you know, just uh, It's been pretty solid. We saw Leo Calamero have a, a pretty good game against FPU, and Anthony Holland looked pretty solid. And It's still a work in progress, but it'll be exciting to see this team at full strength. They've got another uh, fairly favorable game against uh, LIU, uh, Long Island on Friday, at uh, home, they play Idaho uh, home again on Monday, and then they hit the road for a couple of uh, more challenging games uh, to close out November, so we'll learn some more about this team in, in the coming weeks, but um, if you can, there's two more opportunities to see the Bulldogs at the Save Mart Center here within the next week, and uh, do keep in mind you need to show a uh, proof of vaccination or a Negative COVID test within 72 hours to get into the arena. And that applies to all people ages two and older.
0: So that's going to be interesting uh, how they're going to handle uh, getting into the basketball games. Uh, you know, if you have a vaccination card, make sure you have that handy with you because uh, uh, without it, you might find it very difficult to get into uh, basketball games at Fresno State. Um. That being said, Jackson, any final thoughts as we wrap this one up?
1: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We just uh, been trying to finish up this football season strong with our coverage. We got basketball coming up now, and again, only about a month until national signing day. So, recruiting for football is going to be uh, big here in the next month. And uh, looks like the Bulldogs will be more active in January and February than they have been the last couple of years with the metro spots available. So. A lot is going on right now, and um, we'll be uh, we'll be all over it. If you head to Barboard Premium Board, we've got a nice feature about some of the seniors. I interviewed a bunch of those guys practice this week and got some neat stories about those guys from themselves and the coaches, and uh, went into their educational achievements at Fresno State. It's pretty neat that some of these guys have been here for six years. Uh, they're working on master's degrees or even a, a third degree. So it's been uh, interesting to hear some of the aspirations they have away from football. And uh, we'll also later in the week have a um, a nice feature about all the seniors for free that will uh, kind of give some reminders of the memorable moments they've had and uh, take a, a little brief look at their growth. But if you want the in-depth stuff, uh, it's already up there on the uh, premium board
0: absolutely as always if you haven't done so already head over to thebarkboard.com become a premium subscriber that is where you're going to get the latest news and coverage of fresno state athletics um and a lot of that information is reported on the premium board prior to being public um way before being public sometimes so if you know if you've been on the fence now's the time jump on it get an early christmas gift treat yourself. Right, Jackson? Why not? <laughs> Get in there and just <clears throat> and and be a part of our community, and uh, you will not be disappointed. And with that being said, if you're looking for Jackson Moore, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. And if you haven't done so already, head over to our Facebook page. Uh, just do a search for BarkBoard.com. Be a part of that community. We're now, uh, I believe, over 5,000 strong and growing um, and just be a part of what people are saying uh, by joining that and as always make sure you check out our boards Uh, we've got a free and a premium subscription um, and that will get you involved with that community as well that being said I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics